Hello, this is Susan Marie, and welcome to The Human Condition, a conversation with you based upon everyday observations that all of us experience made simple. You can catch these on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and by subscribing to my newsletter, suemarie.substack.com. Most things I speak of are linked for further study in the data section of the show. People are generally confused about gender roles, identity, and classifications, along with anatomical differences and gender spectrums that have specific definitions and meanings. Public support reports studies in open conversations with people that do not identify with binary gender, such as male and female, sheds more light on confusion surrounding gender issues. However, that's not enough. Today, I wish to speak with you about pride. And no, I don't mean the emotional term. I mean Pride Month every June, the celebration of the LGBTQIA community and sexual gender and orientation. The reason I use LGBTQIA is that some individuals do not feel as though they are welcomed in all spaces, including bisexual, transgender, intersex, and queer identified individuals. But please go through the list of definitions I have linked in the data section of the show to understand and LGBTQIA terminology. Let's begin with not the first, but the most influential socio-political movement in the 1960s, which is why we celebrate Pride Month. This begins with the Stonewall Inn in New York City, and prior to the protests, police raids on gay bars were frequent, occurring on average once a month for each bar, and not just the Stonewall. A typical raid, the lights were turned on, customers were lined up, their ID cards checked, those without identification or dressed in drag were arrested, others were allowed to leave. Women were required to wear three pieces of feminine clothing and would be arrested if found not wearing them. Employees and management of the bars were also typically arrested. The period immediately before June 28, 1969, was marked by frequent raids of local bars, including a raid at the Stonewall and the closing of the Checkerboard, Telestar, and two other clubs in Greenwich Village. Back then, cross-dressing was illegal, and you could be arrested for not wearing a certain number of gender-appropriate articles of clothing. Heterosexual bars are socially accepted. If these things occurred at heterosexual bars, people would sue the police department. Do you see the differences in acceptance here? So let's get into the Stonewall Riots of 1969. Following the upheaval of World War II, the United States felt a fervent desire to restore the pre-war social order and hold off the forces of change, spurred by the national emphasis on anti-communism and Senator Joseph McCarthy, who conducted hearings searching for communists in the U.S. government, the U.S. Army, and other government-funded agencies and institutions, leading to national paranoia. Anarchist communists and other people deemed un-American and subversive were considered security risks. Gay men and lesbians were included in the list by the U.S. State Department on the theory that they were susceptible to blackmail. In 1950, a Senate investigation chaired by Clyde Hoey noted in a report, it is generally believed that those who engage in overt acts of perversion lack the emotional stability of normal persons. And most government agencies stated they are in complete agreement that sex perverts in government constitute security risks. Between 1947 and 1950, 1,700 federal job applications were denied, 4,380 people were discharged from the military, and 420 people were fired from their government jobs for being suspected homosexuals. Throughout the 1950s and 60s, the FBI and police department kept lists of known homosexuals, their favorite establishments and friends. The U.S. Post Office kept track of addresses where material pertaining to homosexuality was mailed. State and local governments 
followed suit. Bars catering to gay men and lesbians were shut down and their customers were arrested and exposed in newspapers. Cities performed sweeps to rid neighborhoods, parks, bars, and beaches of gay people. They outlawed the wearing of opposite gender clothes and universities expelled instructors suspected of being homosexual. In 1952, the American Psychiatric Association listed homosexuality as a psychiatric disorder in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. A large-scale study of homosexuality in 1962 was used to justify the inclusion of the disorder as a supposed pathological hidden fear of the opposite sex caused by trauma induced by parent-child relationships. But in 1956, the psychologist Evelyn Hooker performed a study that compared the happiness and well-adjusted nature of self-identified homosexual men with heterosexual men, and she found no difference. Her study stunned the medical community, but homosexuality remained as a psychological disorder in the DSM until 1974. Gay Americans in the 50s and 60s faced an anti-gay legal system. Early homophile groups in the U.S. sought to prove that gay people could be assimilated into society, and they favored non-confrontational education for homosexuals and heterosexuals. The last years of the 60s were very contentious because there were many social political movements, like the Civil Rights Movement, the counterculture of the 60s, and the anti-Vietnam War Movement. These influences, along with the liberal environment of Greenwich Village, served as catalysts for the Stonewall demonstrations. The social repression of the 1950s resulted in a cultural revolution in Greenwich Village. The Bee Poets wrote about the evils of the social organization of the time, glorifying anarchy over unquestioning social compliance, consumerism, and closed-mindedness. And they also wrote bluntly and honestly about homosexuality. By the early 1960s, a campaign to rid New York City of gay bars was in full effect by order of Mayor Robert Wagner, who was concerned about the image of the city. And the city revoked liquor licenses of bars, undercover police officers, Officers work to entrap as many homosexuals as possible. Entrapment usually considered of an undercover officer who found a man in a bar or public park engaged in conversation. And if the conversation headed toward the possibility that they might leave together or the officer bought the man a drink, the other man was arrested for solicitation. On Saturday, June 28, 1969, the LGBTQIA community stood up against these civil rights disobediences following a police raid on the Stonewall Inn. And the protests were a series of demonstrations by members of the LGBTQIA community against a police raid that took place in the early morning hours at the Stonewall Inn in the Greenwich neighborhood of New York City. Around 1.20 a.m., the New York City Vice Squad, Public Morals Division, and police officers officers joined forces with male and female undercover police officers who were already stationed inside the bar. However, the raid did not go as planned because the patrol wagons responsible for transporting the arrested patrons and the alcohol from the bar took longer than expected. A crowd of released patrons and bystanders began to grow outside of the inn. This number would swell much larger into the night. The last straw came when a scuffle broke out when a woman in handcuffs was escorted from the door of the bar to the waiting police wagon several times. Bystanders recalled that the woman, Storm de la Vie, when complained that metal handcuffs mangled her wrists, was battered with a billy club by a cop and with blood running down her head shouted to bystanders, Why don't you guys do something? Multiple accounts of the rebellion, the uprising, this civil rights disobedience assert that there was no pre-existing organization or apparent cause for the demonstration. What ensued was spontaneous. Michael Fodder, a Stonewall Inn patron, explained... 
We all had a collective feeling like we've had enough of this kind of shit. It wasn't anything tangible anybody said to anyone else. It was just kind of like everything over the years had come to a head on that one particular night in that one particular place. And it was not an organized demonstration. Everyone in the crowd felt that we were never going to go back. It was like the last straw. It was time to reclaim something that had always been taken from us. All kinds of people, all different reasons, but mostly it was total outrage, anger, sorrow, everything combined. And everything just kind of ran its course. And we felt that we had freedom at last, or freedom to at least show that we demanded freedom. We weren't going to be walking meekly in the night and letting them shove us around. It's like standing your ground for the first time, and in a really strong way. And that's what caught the police by surprise. There was something in the air. Freedom a long time overdue, and we're going to fight for it. It took different forms, but the bottom line was we weren't going to go away, and we didn't. One participant who had been in the Stonewall during the raid recalled, the police rushed us. And that's when I realized this is not a good thing to do because they got me in the back with a nightstick. Another account stated, I just can't ever get that one side out of my mind. The cops with the nightsticks and the kick line on the other side. It was the most amazing thing. And all of a sudden that kick line, which I guess was a spoof on the machismo. I think that's when I felt rage because people were getting smashed with bats. And for what? A kick line. Historian Lillian Fodderman calls the riots the shot heard around the world, explaining the Stonewall Rebellion was crucial because it sounded the rally for that movement. It became an emblem of gay and lesbian power. The events at the Stonewall implied that homosexuals had as much reason to be as disaffected as others. The events that took place at the Stonewall Inn led to the first gay pride parades in the United States and in many other countries. On June 28, 1970, a march was led from Greenwich Village to the Sheep Meadow in Central Park. Further protests over the following nights were the watershed moment in modern LGBTQIA rights movements and for organizing LGBTQIA pride marches on a much larger public scale. These movements jump-started gay and LGBTQIA pride, which is the positive stance against discrimination and violence towards lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people to promote their self-affirmation, dignity, equality, rights, increase their visibility as a social group, build community, celebrate sexual diversity and gender variances. Pride, as opposed to shame and social stigma, is a predominant outlook that bolsters LGBTQIA rights movements throughout the world. The month of June was chosen for Pride Month to commemorate the Stonewall Riots, which occurred at the end of June 1969. As a result, many Pride events are held during this month to recognize the impact LGBTQIA people have had in the world. So what do the colors on the Pride flag mean? The original Rainbow Pride flag dates back to 1978 when it was created by San Francisco-based queer artist Gilbert Baker. And after an honorable discharge from the military, he decided to remain in San Francisco. Baker was introduced to rising queer activist Harvey Milk, who won a seat as San Francisco City Supervisor in 1977, becoming the first openly gay man elected to public office in California. In the process, and Milk pressed Baker to create a recognizable emblem of empowerment for the queer community. Milk went on to ride under the original eight-striped rainbow pride flag at the San Francisco Gay Freedom Day Parade in June 1978, just months before he was assassinated. Thirty volunteers hand-dyed and stitched the first two flags for the parade. Although the design of the flag and the meanings of each color has changed throughout the years, the best-known six-striped version of the rainbow pride flag was established in 1979 and still assigns a meaning to each color. 
Red for life, orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, blue for harmony, and purple for spirit. Throughout history, brightly colored clothing or accessories have been used as a form of covert communication to signal interest in other people. I mean, Oscar Wilde, Irish author and playwright, wore a green carnation. In Nazi Germany, pink triangles were used to identify male prisoners who had been sent to concentration camps because of their homosexuality. So the flag was created to replace the original pink triangle that functioned as a Nazi tool of oppression. And when the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage nationwide in 2015, the White House celebrated the ruling by illuminating the White House in rainbow colors, as did New York's Empire State Building, San Francisco City Hall, and Walt Disney World's Cinderella Castle. And in 2017, Philadelphia unveiled another version of the flag with black and brown stripes added to represent people of color who previously felt marginalized, ignored, and even intentionally excluded from pride celebrations. There are astounding documentaries and films and serial shows you must watch. All are available online. First, Queer Eye. More than a decade after the original series went off the air, Netflix rebooted Queer Eye with a new Fab Five with five of the most astounding human beings, Jonathan Van Ness, Anthony Porowski, Bobby Burke, Tan France, and Cromwell Brown. This series is about lasting and loving relationships with all men and women who often have different beliefs, ethnicities, and socioeconomic statuses and leads to moments of social commentary, true connection, and simple changes to one's life that causes your heart to have hope for humankind. These five guys are truly changing our world. The series is not to be missed. It's for everyone. Absolutely one of the best series that ever aired. Second, Queer as Folk ran from 2000 to 2005 and follows the lives of five gay men living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is a bit more direct into the lives of non-binary society and gives you a true-to-life experience of the diversity in relationships, communities, and socio-political issues that affect the LGBTQIA communities. This is also an excellent series. Third, Milk, a 2008 American biographical film based on the life of gay rights activist and politician Harvey Milk, who was the first openly gay person to be elected to public office in California as a member of the San Francisco Board of Supervision. A must-watch film, excellent historical, uplifting, exciting, heart-wrenching. Fourth, in 2017, Nat Geo and Katie Couric created Gender Revolution. In this nearly two-hour documentary based on the journalist's research and an article published in National Geographic, Katie Couric speaks to, observes, and interviews families, individuals, and professionals who identify with and are associated with people that identify as gender fluid, transgender, and intersex. Couric attempts to not only understand for herself, but for the general public, how crucial it is to understand the gender revolution. Fifth, in 2017, CBS News created Gender, The Space Between, a one-hour documentary that focuses on the in-between gender identifications referred to as non-binary. This is an important documentary because it not only tells personal stories of non-binary adolescents, teens, and adults, but also takes the focus away from the public spotlight in regards to laws and popularity, instead finding people all along the LGBTQIA spectrum that barely get recognition. Instead of focusing on all gender identifications, this documentary promotes non-binary identification only. Non-binary means not committing to a particular gender in contrast to transgender, male, female, bisexual, homosexual, and lesbian. Basically people that completely identify with one gender. Six is Dallas Buyers Club with Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto. And without spoiling this film, I bring this up to focus on the diversity in community and lifestyles and how people fought back against the government and HMOs in regards to HIV medication and treatment. Now here's your homework. One main simple place to start to begin your education in and support of LGBTQIA individuals is PFLAG, P-F-L-A-G, 
pflag.org, which is the extended family of the LGBTQIA community made up of individuals, family members, and allies. PFLAG works to make sure that all people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer are not only valued by society, but take pride in and value themselves. And PFLAG provides peer-to-peer support. They educate people on issues that are important to the community and advocate for inclusive policies and laws. Please visit that website. Subscribe to that newsletter. Get involved. Billie Jean King, the top-ranked tennis player in the world, spent her career fighting for equality, and she's not stopping yet. In her own words from her book, Pressure is a Privilege, she states, Once you accept and embrace the passing of the torch, it is much easier to be graceful and helpful to those coming after you. Each generation shapes the future for the next. Please join me next week for more interesting discussion and check out last week's episode on dreams, dream experiments, and nightmares.